0: Hello, Fin Factor fans, friends, family. As many of you know, during our last show, my co host Aaron Bartholomew Scholl was brutally, verbally attacked. (coughs) I need to inform you tonight that Aaron has passed away from (laughs) mortal wounds caused by said verbal attacks. Super producer Jason has prepared a short video so that we may remember the life of Aaron Scholl.
1: What? Two tough games in Colorado with <laughs> with the uh, the altitude, and, uh, and then coming back to San Jose and I was a first- <laughs> Yes, <laughs> i I'm, I'm right here. I'm literally right here. Wishful thinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> can you, oh, super. Can, you uh, can you explain to the podcast people what just happened? Oh goodness.
0: Um, I don't even know. Uh, super producer Jason threw that one together. He told me literally minutes beforehand that he had put something together, so uh, thought I'd uh, go ahead and play with it there. Uh, basically, uh, I guess last episode uh, you were getting accosted there verbally in the comments section there, and you weren't feeling too good about yourself. So we, there, there it is again. even too small. <laughs> so um. We decided to uh, put a little
1: in-memoriam for your feelings there. People did you Did you hear, enjoy it at least? People don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> the truth hurts. That it does. All right. Well, uh,
0: thank you, Super Producer Jason, for that lovely, lovely uh, video there. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. When the sharks are not doing well, you got to do something fun.
1: There you go. <sighs> are you ready? Ready. I just choked okay. my water right before we started. That's why I was coughing. Uh, <laughs> Real quick, too. Uh,
0: before we get started, before we get started, uh Sonic Tonic with the LOL, uh Hernandez, uh Paul needs to get a kick in the pants, <laughs> Kellen Foster with an LOL, Sonic Talking saying, Aaron, you're great. Uh Caretaker says uh wanted to drink to that, or I'll drink to that. Uh yeah, there you go. <laughs> we got a lot of people. Noah Claxton, Aaron, we love you, but you are a Max uh Shellerman with these takes. I don't know. You got Max Kellerman? Is that a guy? That's a guy. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> I guess you're a downer. I don't know. Regardless, we are done. Aaron is fine. Everyone, don't worry. He's uh, he's uh, alive and well. Uh, if that's your thing, okay. There you go. Yeah, we're back to the biggest mall again. All right. Okay, let's go ahead and start talking about uh, sharks hockey again. Uh, they played the Colorado Avalanche four games in a row. This past week here, it did not go uh, super-duper well. Although, Aaron, uh, we're looking back at the last episode, and you had said that you'd be happy with, what was it, like a win out of the four? And I think I was just happy with a, a good, solid effort. So we, we kind of got a little bit of everything there. What did, you, what did you think about this week so far?
1: I can't I can't exactly remember what I said. I think I was hoping that they would lose all four games, which they almost did. But um, I, I thought, you know, the Sharks will probably win one of those three. And and that's pretty much what they did. I mean, they lost one in overtime. It's an overtime or a shootout. I can't even Overtime. Um, but um, the better team won in this, in this series. And uh, it's kind of cool to see four games in a row. You don't ever see that in a regular season. So think of this as you could think of this as a mini playoff. If the sharks would make the playoffs, they probably would have played either Colorado or Vegas. Let's just say it was Colorado. Here's how it would have happened. So how would you have felt after those games? Um, the Sharks just—they're just not there. They can't hang. They don't have the depth. They don't have an answer to that top line anymore. They used to a couple years ago when they when they uh, saw them in the playoffs, but uh, not anymore. So, I think um, I think <laughs> I, I don't know how much time you want to spend on these games because they were just some of them were bad. Tonight was was better, but the rest of them were just not good.
0: Maybe just a little bit of time. I don't know. <laughs> Block you. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, okay. So on, on this game one here, I've got a couple notes. Uh, as We'll just go through them real fast. Um, they got killed on special teams. So it was a 3 nothing game, but it was, it was basically all power play goals. So uh, the power play was the difference for Colorado in this game, which uh, you would think that it wouldn't have to be the difference because, again, they are a much deeper team. They have much more uh, top-end firepower. And their blue line actually looks a lot better, too, with Kel McCarr. Uh, doing what Brent Burns and Eric Carlson can't and should be doing. But uh, they're just all around uh, just a much better team. So this was a bit of a moral victory, if you will, to be able to hold them to no goals, five on five. Um, Although if you take a look at the scoring chances, the high danger chances for, and I'll be doing this for each of these games, uh, high danger chances for in this game for the Sharks, five on five at least, uh, none. And for the Colorado Avalanche, seven. So when you're not getting into those areas, and this is something that Brett Hedekin Uh, has harped on with Timo Meyer specifically is get yourself to drive to that area. And we saw Timo do that tonight, almost scored a goal, but getting to yourself to that area, driving hard, that's his game. Uh, That, that would be reflected in the amount of high nature chances for, for the sharks. If he was kind of playing that way, you'd see at least a couple here and there, but he's still sort of playing in that perimeter. Although again, tonight, Really tried to go for it. Uh, crashed uh, right around that net, going for a wraparound. Uh, just didn't get it, but it was close at least. So I appreciate the effort at least. So that was game one, a 3 nothing loss. Always sucks when you get shut out. So the Sharks come back, game two. Uh, again, for the high danger scoring chances, we have uh, four chances for the Sharks. 19 for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, it's amazing that this game was as close as it was <laughs> when you take a look at the, the score. It was a 4-3 loss. Uh, when you get outchanced 19-4 to 4 in a high-danger area as 5-on-5, five five, you're expecting that the score is going to be much worse than it is. Uh, so I know there was something that was a lot more uh, interesting to you than the score in this game. Uh, it was a an altercation between Nathan McKinnon and, of course, heavyweight Kevin LeBanc. Go ahead, Aaron, take it away.
1: Well, I thought, uh, so the whole play, what happened was LeBanc got in on, uh, was it Makar? can't remember who it was. Um, he was chasing down a puck and kind of, uh, the guy was going to the boards, the defender was going to the boards, and I thought to me, looking at the replay over and over and over, it looked like LeBanc wasn't hitting him into the boards, he was getting body position and turning and protecting the puck, and LeBank, I mean, so far in his career, he hasn't really been a kind of dirty player that would hit somebody like that into the boards anyway, so I thought it was, um, I didn't even think it was really a hit, I thought he just kind of boxed him out a little and, and got the puck and McKinnon being the captain and sticking up for his teammate got into his face. And uh, there was a face off right after. So the puck was already dead and McKinnon got in his face and they dropped the gloves. So good. If you look at it, you know, you look on Colorado's perspective. Yeah, it's good. They're sticking up for his teammate, but you're taking McKinnon, your best player on, not just on your team, but probably one of the top three in the league right now, this year, uh, taking him off the ice for five minutes. Probably should have been somebody else sticking up for, uh, for that teammate, not, not, uh, McKinnon, but, uh, his teammates loved it. And, um, LeBanc, you know, sticking up for himself and, and dropping the gloves with them could good for him. At least maybe it was better that it was McKinnon and not somebody else for uh, LeBanc's sake. But, um, I didn't think it was a dirty hit. There was no, they didn't review it afterwards. He didn't get a penalty on it. In fact, I think McKinnon got an extra penalty on that play for, uh, for instigating. So, um, I didn't think anything was wrong with it. I thought I thought it was a slight overreaction by Colorado.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. When uh, I mean, you say by Colorado, but really uh, by Nathan McKinnon to feel like he had to jump in there and drop the gloves. Again, I thought it was just uh, Kevin LeBanc stopping, essentially, and his, with his leg kind of getting underneath the defender and just kind of taking his leg out, not intentionally trying to sweep his leg. Uh, sweep the leg! But it was just kind of like his motion of stopping, just kind of that's where his leg was, and then just knocked the other guy out. Um, I, I don't think there was any intent behind it whatsoever. So um, maybe a little bit of an overreaction by McKinnon. But you know what? Good on him. Good on the captain. As you said, Colorado Avalanche really appreciated that move sticking up for a teammate by a guy who is not somebody who's going to punch faces on a, on a daily basis. So uh, good, just a good leadership thing out of Nathan McKinnon there.
1: Yeah. One thing I wanted to go back to is those high danger chances. Uh, good on Kornosh, or Koshinosh for facing 19 19- High danger chances. Yeah. He had four goals against and was still over a 900 save percentage. He was 909 for the night. That's still better than Jones. So I think Jones would have gotten roasted in that game, having 19 high danger chances. Um, and I think I tweeted this out last uh, two games. Maybe it was that game. Say, um, yeah, it was that game. Saying that uh, that Jones. I think it's a, an NHL open secret that Jones has the worst glove hand in the entire league because they always pick on his glove hand and it always works. So, I mean, look at it. Was it the, one of the goals, was it the tying goal or was it the, the one, maybe it was the one to make it four to three was glove side. He totally just flubbed it. And then I think the one in overtime was also glove save or yeah a miss by his glove. So I think, um, I think Koshinash is a better option in net at this point than Jones, but at the same time, I want them to tank, so they should start Jones in every game. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's uh, the, the game-winning goal uh, did hit Jones' glove,
0: like literally hit the glove and still went through. Um, hit the glove so,
1: because the glove was in the way. It, it, he had
0: the glove in the right spot mostly, uh, and, and he even when he makes the save, it goes in. It's just incredible. Um, I don't know what to, what to say about the, about that, but it's just, you know, it's just not his year, uh, unfortunately. And it seems like it hasn't been his year last couple of times around here, which is also very unfortunate. Um, you know, there's, there's something to be said for, again, team defense and whatnot. And I still believe that that is kind of the core of a lot of these issues. But when the puck hits you in the glove, it's kind of like in football, right? And I'll come back to another football reference later on. Uh, I do see a comment here about uh, better than what Tom Wilson did in reference to Kevin, the So we'll get to that as well. Uh, But in, in football, if it's said that the ball hits you in the hands and you're a receiver and you drop it, um, that's your fault. That shouldn't be on the quarterback, right? If you touched it at all and you dropped it, that's, that's on you as the receiver. Uh, It's kind of the same thing in, in this scenario here. When, when the puck hits your glove like
1: <laughs> more like, <Save> <laughs> I think a better better analogy is when the, when the ball hits your glove and bounces off your hands and it becomes an interception and goes back the other way. That counts. <laughs> that counts against the quarterback as an interception when the quarterback's like, "Really? I couldn't sure. throw it any better." You know, to sure, me, that, yeah. that's what this is like. It hits him in the glove and goes in the net and an overtime win. Thank you for enhancing the analogy. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> The more
0: you know. All right, good. Uh, as long as we're continuing on the uh, high danger chance train here, let's go ahead and jump over to game number three, unless you have something else to say about game number two, which we can always go back. Nope. Uh, game number three was a 5 4 overtime loss. This is the one we were just talking about. Hit the glove, still went in, unfortunately. Um, this one, they actually outchanced Colorado uh, by uh, 10 to 8 high-danger chances for versus against. So they even a five-on-five, five, even when they out-chance Colorado, they still don't have the polish, the finish that Colorado has and being able to bury those shots. So, uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that necessarily because, again, they scored four, so it's not like it's it's all bad, but uh, it's just Colorado, you can't give them any of these chances. They're going to put it in on you. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, one of those stats I wanted to look at and, and see how the progression went. And you can see from, you know, in the, the first game, was bad. second game was really bad. Third game, there was kind of, okay, there was a progression, right? They, they stepped up to the plate. They still lost. Uh, this fourth game, the game tonight, again, high danger chances. If we're just looking at that five on five, 11 to nine. Again, they outchance the Colorado Avalanche by two, just like they did last game uh, at five on five, at least. Only this time, they actually pick up the win. So it seems like over the course of this mini four-game series, they actually got a little bit better when you take a look at the amount of chances, high danger chances that they had five on five and then looking at the score, the output. So uh, it got closer and closer until they finally won. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a positive for you. I know that the biggest positive is going to be that koshinash had 30 saves in this game. Again, putting up a good performance and giving the Sharks a chance to win.
1: Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I think Koshinosh, wait, I'm talking about tonight's game. What? Yeah. Yes. Uh- Tonight, I thought, I thought again. Kosanosh to me looks sharper than Jones. Um, I think uh, it's it's really tough, man. There's only three games after this, and I really want the Sharks to tank. I'm sorry. Like at, at this point, if they win out, why, why? They they just need to lose. So I, I'm. I'm glad to see the Sharks at least putting up goals or not getting shut out every night. They did get shut out once against the, the Avs. So it's not complete like blowouts. And they don't look like the games aren't that boring. At least there's yep. some goals, right? Like even tonight, they were down two nothing and they came back to tie it and then take the lead and win, which is exciting. But I was disappointed because I wanted <laughs> I wanted Colorado to tie that game and at least uh, maybe the Sharks only get one point instead of two. But <laughs> um, yeah, I and I think I even tweeted this out Uh, tonight like nobody's gonna remember these games at the end of the season so they're just gonna remember like it's not gonna matter until the until the uh, entry-level draft or the lottery comes around and you're like oh man why did the Sharks get a better chance of getting a better pick well they won all these games at the very end of the season it's terrible so anyway Uh, I want to bring up a couple things Uh,
0: first of all uh, Brian and uh, caretaker it seems like there's a few people that are wanted to talk about the Tom Wilson situation guys hang around for that. As soon as we're done with this, we're going to get straight into the Tom Wilson incident. Um, we've got plenty of notes, things that we wanted to talk about. So uh, hang right there. In fact, if you've got other people that you uh, want to have a part of this conversation, hit us with that retweet, uh, get us out to your friends, share us, whatever it is, get them in the chat here. Cause we will be talking about it and it'll probably be, I don't know. We got like another topic or two to go and then we'll hit the Tom Wilson stuff. Okay, so uh, just wanted to let you guys know that so that you know uh, that we will be addressing it. We're just not touching on it right now. We will in just a little bit here. Um, and I'll, of course, if you are enjoying the show, uh, I think Super Jason, I put it down there before. We do have uh super chat available we can answer your question if you go ahead and put it out there we'll definitely get to it uh if you do same thing with venmo uh at the fin factory you can put a question in venmo i believe super producer jason's on top of that one so if we happen to get something and you have a question in there we can go ahead and address it as well so uh please feel free to support the show uh and and we'll go ahead and read off your question live here on the air so there you go okay uh aaron uh, we're done with talking about the well i mean okay hurdle high two goals Tonight's game. Um, a nice bounce back for him, I think. You know, there's been a lot of talk about him maybe not playing up to snuff over the course of the season. I know you responded to something on Twitter just like minutes ago uh, <laughs> about Hurdle maybe being a little disappointing this season. Seems you didn't agree with him though, but Hurdle did pick up two goals tonight. What do you think about Hurdle so far? Uh, maybe in just a short stretch. Uh, what do you think about his game?
1: Well, it was a hot, steaming take and I couldn't, couldn't not say anything. So I jumped <laughs> in and, and kept going at it. So I feel a little bad about it. But Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I don't want to get into the tweet Twitter war that I had. It wasn't even really a war, but uh, I, to me, Hurdle's fine. I think I think he uh, obviously he had a great game tonight. He had two goals, and I think he's one of the ben- He's been one of the most consistent players. I think Kane's been the best. I would say Hurdle, Ferraro, maybe Knyzhov, just because yeah. he's a rookie and kind of came out of nowhere. And at this point, I say maybe even Koshinosh has, has been showing some good signs of, uh, of life and, and good things to come. So um, I, I just, to me, like, I don't feel like not that, not that he doesn't warrant any kind of criticism, but I think he's been fairly consistent, not as consistent as Kane. Kane's been by far the best forward for the Sharks, but I think hurdles a close second uh, in terms of consistency and, and playing well throughout the season. So I just thought it was silly and I kind of wanted to jump in there and, and whatever. But um, uh, we do have some clips here, don't we? Yes. Kind of glossed over. You want to go over those? <laughs> well, I mean, OK,
0: we're looking at a couple of bright spots here. One of the bright spots for Coach Bob Bugner has been Dylan Gambrell. Um, and I, I got to ask a little bit. Um, uh, just we'll go ahead and just roll the clip. But basically, it's uh, some of Bob's thoughts. And uh, we thought you guys would be interested in those. So go ahead. We'll roll
2: that one. Yeah, I, I said this, uh, you, you know, and you guys have heard uh, from the organization where we're at. And, uh, you know, last year was a um, situation where we sold veterans at the deadline and got picks back. Um, you, you know, and I think this situation this year is, uh, you know, a lot of young guys are getting chances and, you know, and, and, and calling it a reset. And, you know, I mean it's not a surprise. I think if you look around the league out of the 31 teams, um, you know, as of right now, I think every team that missed the bubble last year, playoffs is still out. So it just goes to show you, you don't flip things around in this league in six months and eight months or 10 months. Uh, it takes time. And, uh, um, and, and there's pain involved in that. And there's some growing, there's some growing to do. And that's, that's where we're at. And, uh, um, you know, We've we've tried to work on certain things this year and 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 uh, you know systematically and, and culture and things like that. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that are real real solid in the young guys. But uh, um, yeah, it's uh, um, it's a situation where you're going through some stuff, and it's a little disappointing not to be in the playoffs. Obviously, but uh, we know what the big picture looks like and where we're going.
0: So there's, uh, I mean, just kind of, you know, talking about where the big picture is, right? And lots of things going on behind the scenes. I would really love to be a fly on the wall to see kind of those things that are happening behind the scenes. But we did hear, um, I'm not sure if it was actually in that clip or not, but we were talking about uh, Bob Booner and, and how Dylan Gambrell had earned his trust and whatnot. So uh, I think maybe we had a different one there. But, um, you know, things are kind of happening. Like he said, behind the scenes, it'll be interesting to see what happens for the next season to come here in the offseason, if there are certain trades that get made to kind of free up some cap and all that kind of thing. Um, and we're going to have another clip here that kind of talk about, because I asked Evander Kane about some of the young guys and getting opportunities and that kind of thing. And um, before we get to that, I kind of want to, it'll be a tie-in sort of. Um, Aaron, you had talked about there's this comparison that's always happening between uh, Timo Meyer. and, and and ranting in right and that they were picked just one pick apart and that we could have had ranting in and uh, all this hullabaloo right so um i'm gonna give you the floor here just go ahead and, and talk about that something was bothering you about this and then we'll kind of segue that into this uh clip with evander kane so go
1: ahead sure i mean it's easy to be a monday morning quarterback as the saying goes so you can look back at drafts and go oh man well the sharks should have drafted this guy instead of this guy or that guy instead of that guy and this is definitely one of those cases. Now, normally I don't really fall into that, but in this case, Miko Rantanen was taken one pick after Timo Meyer was taken in that draft. So you could make the case that yeah, the Sharks definitely could have taken him easily. Um, who knows that they were looking at them? But at the same time, it's not just the player. Uh, there's it's kind of nurture versus nature thing. So part of the part of it is yes, skill wise and pedigree and everything else, uh, some players are gonna be better than others. But, in, I mean, look at look at Miko Rantanen's case. Who's he playing with? Who are his linemates? Who's been consistent linemates for years now? It's been Gabriel Landeskog, the captain, and Nathan McKinnon, arguably the, one of the best players right now in the entire league. You could plug Paul in on that line, and he would score 40 assists, like easily. So, yeah, uh, Rantanen Rantan is has better teammates than, than Timo Meyer, better line mates than Timo Meyer and has consistently. Um, now imagine, let's say the sharks did take Rantanen instead of Timo Meyer. Now Timo Meyer develops to Colorado plays on that line. He becomes a beast. He's scoring like crazy. Now sharks hands be like, well, why did not they draft Timo Meyer instead of Miko Rantanen? Like Miko Rantanen is the smaller guy and Timo Meyer is this beast and he's destroying people and scoring all kinds of goals. The sharks could have had him. So it goes it goes both ways it's not just like you can't just flip the script and be like oh miko retina would have been the exact same player scoring the exact same amount of points on the sharks team as he would have on colorado so i it kind of irks me a little bit i guess like (coughs) yeah paul said 50 assists 50 secondary assists and no goals that's what paul would score on that line (laughs) Uh, but you understand i'm saying like there's part of it is the development of the player. Part of it is the skill of the player and just the player in general. I mean, there's some cases where there's a player that probably could have made it into the league and they were pushed in the league too soon and they're out of the league very quickly and terms of a bust come around. Right. Um, There's, there's been a few of those players. There's been, You know, you can look at some other drafts where it's like, man, this guy got taken third overall and the guy who was fifth overall is, is a superstar player. So you can, you can do the, the Monday morning quarterback, but nurture versus nature. A lot of it has to do with development. A lot of it has to do with opportunity on how much um, ice time they're going to get. And Miko Rantan got a lot of ice time because the Colorado avalanche, if you don't remember the reason they got Nathan McKinnon first overall pick is because they were terrible for a number of years so he got some ice time that he probably would not have gotten. Let's say if Miko Rantanen joined the Colorado Avalanche as a rookie this year, he would not be getting the ice time that he got as a rookie in his actual rookie year. So he developed better. Would he have gotten that time on the Sharks? when the, when Like when Timo Meyer started with the Sharks? Absolutely not. He would have had different line mates. He wouldn't have gotten the ice time. He wouldn't have developed as as great as he is. I'm not saying that he wouldn't ever. But he wouldn't be the same player. So it's really hard to compare players like that. Um, even though they were taken one pick later. So I'm sick of it. So we need to just stop saying fire Doug Wilson because he, he drafted <laughs> Timo Meyer instead of Miko Ranton. Like, oh come on, come on, really. I'm I'm getting really sick of the fire Doug Wilson. Now, going back to what we just <laughs> listened to from the coach. Sorry. Going, <laughs> I'm I'm ranting here. But going back to what Bugner said, there's a lot of underlying stuff that he said in that quote. Um, most of it is being we knew this season going into the season what was going to happen. We like last year we traded a lot of veterans and got picks, this year we kind of wanted to see what the young guys could do, uh, see where they stick and see how well the team is. <laughs> yeah, thanks, caretaker. Preach Aaron. Um, to me, that means Doug Wilson and company, uh, Hassel Platner. Everybody was on board saying this is going to be a throwaway year, not a throw throwaway year. I still believe that they wanted to see what they had with a lot of their younger players. If the sharks made the playoffs, great. They're going to ride it out and, and maybe they would have bought some veterans or some other players at the deadline. But if they weren't, then they kind of, it's almost like it's a short season's 56 games. There's not going to be a lot of people in the, in the crowd. So they're not going to be booed off the ice. They could see what they got. It's like a big, huge development year. It's going to be a lot of like almost like a long tryout for next season and um, maybe move some of those pieces in the offseason that don't work out well. Like Timo Meyer, like Kevin LeBanc, like all these other guys that you're seeing when stuff hits the fan, you see who can get through it and who can't. And that's what I think this season was like. And they knew it. They knew it. Yeah, no. I think guys who could use a change of scenery, just like you said,
0: Timo and, and Kevin. I think uh, maybe it's just not working out here. It's not to say that they're bad players. They were picked that high for a reason. In, in Timo's case, obviously Kevin picked much later, but Kevin was given the contract that he was given for a reason. He's got a high level of skill. Perhaps it's just not coming to fruition for the Sharks. Maybe somewhere else it would uh, it would shine a little bit more. But as of right now, yeah, Kevin LeBanks' play is disappointing, and that's that's the right word for it because he is better than this. He is a better player than this. Uh, therefore, we are disappointed with what we're seeing so far. Uh, if if he was not like if he was this was a, a, a no offense to Steph Nason, but this is a Steph Nason we're talking about. We're not as disappointed in this play because there's no expectation there. Right. That that expectation of goal scoring and offensive drive isn't quite there for a Steph Nason. It is for a Kevin LeBanc. It is for a Timo Meyer. So uh, I, I know I'm with you there. I think they're not bad players and you don't try to trade bad players. Um, unless you're doing something funky with, you know, cap space and taking a bad contract back, whatever else. But you don't trade bad players because nobody wants a bad player. Uh, If they were bad, nobody would want to have them on their team. So um, if you're able to trade a Kevin LeBanc, it's because he's still good. And it's because they think that they could fit him into their system. If you're able to do that with Timo Meyer, same thing. He's not a bad player. It's just not working out here for whatever reason. So uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see next season where this kind of goes. Uh, I will say this, though, like the Phoenix from the ashes, Aaron, you have uh, resurrected and gotten some good comments going on here. Uh, Caretaker, like you said, preach, Aaron, Kellen Foster, give this man a loudspeaker and a Bible. This is an NHL sermon. Uh, Seems like the people are liking you today. I'm afraid they're going to turn on me. So I'm going to go ahead and just play this clip as fast as I can before they uh, they they figure out that they need to jump on my back. Okay, this one here, Kane, I got to ask him a little bit about. uh, Well, I asked him a question. He talked about. Uh, some of the guys getting a shot. So we'll go ahead and just roll that for you right now. Hey, Vander, uh, How are spirits in the locker room considering Bob's comments earlier about these games being a showcase for who should be back next season?
3: Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think, you know, as a young guy, you want to, uh, you know, especially with the way we're, we're managing, you know, 25 26 different forwards uh guys are in and out of the lineup all the time um you know you want to try to cement yourself as a regular um and you know that compete level and that battle level um you know I think is what coaches are looking for and uh you know veteran guys are looking for uh and doing that on, con- on a consistent basis and you know when you do that you know the, the skill will 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 come out at the end of the day and I think um you know it's a, it's it's been a great opportunity for these young guys to, to, to showcase themselves. And, um, you know, that seems like the direction that the organization wants to go in and uh, these last couple of games. So um, I guess we'll see and see how it pays off uh, going into the next season.
0: Caretaker with the comment there, dang Paul, dropping the hard questions. Uh, Yeah. You know, I think it's about time I asked one that was maybe a little bit difficult there. So um, you know, but I liked his response. You know, he kind of deflected a little bit and said, this is how <laughs> we're going to talk about, um, you know, the young guys stepping up and having the opportunities here. Now, Aaron, you had just talked about, you know, these guys getting opportunities. If Rantan was on our team, would he have gotten the same opportunities, all that other stuff? Well, now we, we see a bunch of guys that are getting the shot and uh, no one uh, more prolific in in showcasing their skills so far than Alexander Barabanov. He has stepped up big. He's been playing alongside... Kane and Hurdle, obviously, two of the better players on this team. So you would be, it would be easy for you to say that anybody, myself included, fifty assists, as we had said, um, could play alongside those two players and and do a, a fairly decent job. But it's it's beyond that. He's not just kind of reading off of them. He's actually making them better. He's making plays. Uh, you, you see him getting himself wide open for passes. Again, that that one that Hurdle hit uh, hit him with a pass cross ice. And instead of just shooting right away, which he could have because the goalie was moving, he was not set. Uh, he fired it right back across the cane because he has that vision. Uh, and we saw, it, saw it tonight he had a few really nice plays as well. Uh, the guy's just doing a really good job, and he's impressing Sharks brass, I'm sure. So, uh, again, looking forward to having him come back to the team. It's really nice to have a really solid talent that you didn't have to really pay anything for. You gave up Auntie Suomela, uh, who was not cracking the Sharks lineup. Uh, just an, another amazing trade, in my opinion, by uh, by general manager Doug Wilson, uh, bringing him into the organization, seeing what this kid was capable of, and it's not a guy that you have to protect. That's the big thing too. He's a guy that's going to be, you know, in the top six in your roster next season. You don't have to bother with a uh, protection uh, against Seattle there. So uh, I don't know if there's anybody else. I mean, we talked about a few guys. Ferraro's playing, you know, phenomenally right now. Kinesia, for me is rookie of the year for the Sharks, um, and then of course Barabanov is just stepping up and showing that. He can handle the the role of a top six forward in this league, and I don't know why Toronto gave him up. Uh, And then, of course, Koshinosh stepping up in goal. So we've got from forward to defense to goaltending. There's some promising prospects
1: here. So, uh, you know, maybe a little bit to look up about for next season. I mean, Barabanov is the perfect example of what I was just talking about. Uh, He had no opportunity in Toronto because there's too many people on the depth chart in front of him. So they're not going to stick this rookie in the lineup in the top six that has not proven himself when they have Toronto probably has top nine forwards that can fit in that top six spot. So why would you get rid of one of those guys and move them down the lineup for this guy for more than one game? They did try him out on a couple, couple of the top lines, but only, you know, you're only going to get a game or two in there and you can't do anything about it. Now on the sharks, he's been with the sharks for six games. You know how many points he has in those six games? How many? Six, six. <laughs> you know, the only game he did not get a point, the game, the sharks got shut out in. Nobody got a point. So he is very impressive. I think he deserves a contract. He's an unrestricted free agent after this season. So he could have his pick on where he wants to go. But if he solidifies himself on that line, on that top line with those guys, um, I would imagine that his agent is going to want to sign. Now, remember, I don't know if I talked about this last show. I don't think I did because it came out in the article from Kers last week after our show. Um Barabanov shares an agent with Konejov and Melnichuk. Those two definitely had a hand in getting the sharks to make that pick or make that, uh, that, that acquisition uh, trade. Thank you. Um, And his agent had said that there was only one team that we talked to and only one team only that we wanted to go to. And it was the sharks. So uh, that I think was facilitated and Konejov acts as his translator as well during the press conferences, um, whenever he's asked any questions or anything. So, I think, um, I think Barabanov is going to stay, especially after this hot tear that he's on. And I bet the Sharks maybe sign him for, uh, what, a two-year contract? Probably a two-year, maybe $2 million contract, something on the cheap. And uh, kind of approve it to make sure you can do it in a full 82-game season, not just a shortened six-game, or I guess it'll be a nine-game stint with the Sharks after the next three games. So um, I'm excited for this guy. I hope they do sign him, and I hope he sticks and stays. And I hope this is the real deal because six games is a better sample size than, you know, like two or three games where you get kind of on a streak, six games, six points in six games is a big deal on a very, not very bad team, but on a bad team. Um, but yeah, like you said, he makes his linemates much better around him. I think that's probably his best asset is that he works his tail off. He gets the puck over and his vision is incredible for um, most of these. Like I think we kind of take it for granted how, what Joe Thornton was able to do for so many years in, in San Jose, because you kind of feel like, oh, why is it, why is more people play like that? Not the Barabanov is Joe Thornton, but his vision out there is amazing, and he can find an open player. Kind of see, uh, it's almost like he's playing 3D chess versus uh, you know checkers against the other team. So uh, the future is starting to look a little bit better um, with some of those guys. Noah Greger, someone said about Noah Greger, he's starting to look pretty good. I'm hoping he sticks. Um, and you said Dylan Gambrell to me. <sighs> I like Gambrell. His offensive touch is just not there. I'm hoping that it comes back, Um, but he seems like he's going to be a solidified fourth-line center if he doesn't really get that offensive back, which isn't terrible. That's an NHL career, Um, but he at least it's not the other way around. It could be like Kevin LeBanc, where he's terrible defensively and great offensively. We kind of need some of the balance of uh, someone who's very good defensively and not as good offensively, so I don't mind so much. Yeah, no, I think the
0: point with Gambrell was simply that Bob had said he's kind of earned my trust here. Um, And that's something that's huge for coaches, you know, a guy that you can put out there and not have to worry too much about what's going to happen against him right now. He may not be putting up as many goals assists as we'd like, but the guy is not a guy that you, you put out there and kind of, you know, chatter your teeth and worry um, he's he's responsible in, in, in his own end. Uh, he's shown that he has pretty good puck protection skills, especially along the boards. He's not getting pushed off the puck so easily anymore. He's setting up his teammates, whether or not his teammates are able to bury those chances. That's a different story as well. Uh, but he is a guy that's been trusted to, to start the game. You know, the, uh, Bob's put him out there at the very beginning of a game. He's put him out there on the penalty kill. He's put him out there. Um, on, on defense when they were short a defenseman because of too many penalties or whatever the case was and, and injuries, um, Gambrell played defense as well. I mean, that's something that's, you know, y- y- you don't have every forward uh, trusted to play uh, on the defensive side, on the blue line, and that that was the first guy that uh, Bob picked. So, you know, I think it's it's good for, for Dylan uh, to have a place, just like Matt Nieto came into the league and he was a goal scorer, and then all of a sudden he wasn't anymore. Uh, Dylan Gambrell may have been, you know, a, a guy that was relied upon to put the puck in the net in his earlier years, but coming into the NHL, his role has shifted a bit here. And I think him being able to play more of that, you know, shut down if need be uh, just a solid, reliable fourth line presence, maybe a three C going forward, who knows, but definitely uh, somebody who could play on the fourth line center. I, I, mean, I think it's great for the Sharks. Again, they don't need four lines of scoring. They need four lines of reliability. And if he can provide that for the final line, then they just need to fill in the rest of the depth going up the roster. Obviously it's more difficult to fill in the higher lines. Uh, but when you can find somebody who's not too expensive into somebody who is reliable, has the coaches trust, uh, it's always good things for me at least. So now you guys wanted to talk about this and I'm happy to do that right now. So it was asked about before about the Tom Wilson incident. So let's go ahead and give a rundown on this whole Tom Wilson thing. Um, Oh, what's this? Not about the sharks. What are you guys' thoughts on Tom Wilson? There you go. Fine and no suspension. Yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> okay. Um, the whole thing with Tom Wilson. Let's just explain what happened first of all. Okay. There was a bit of a scrum uh, in front of the net uh, for the Washington Capitals net. Okay. Um, Buchnevich gets in there and he kind of is not really banging away, but he's trying to get the puck, uh, what he thinks is a loose puck, uh, past the goalie, and so he's kind of whacking a little bit there. Um, Tom Wilson comes in and basically gets Buchnevich down on the ice. He's got his stick underneath Bucinevich's, that's a hard word to say, uh, underneath his neck, okay? So the the stick is like this under his neck, and he's kind of laying down the ice, so there's pressure on his neck coming up from the stick. Uh, then you see him kind of give this little, like, I don't know if it's going like a rabbit punch, but it just gives him this little punch in the back of the head, Um, which again, there's a stick there. So when you get hit with the, it just not good things on top of the, the, the fact that it's just hitting a guy in the back of the head who's prone on the ice is not defending and not able to defend himself, not trying to fight you. There's no reason to be doing that whatsoever. It's just another Tom Wilson thing to do. Um, so that, that whole thing, that was the, the beginning of it. Right. Um, then you've got this kind of scrum that ensues after that, because people are kind of jumping on him, trying to get him off of Buchnevich. Somehow in this scrum, uh, Panarin ends up jumping on his back. Then they disappear in the scrum again. And then you see the next time you see Panarin, he's being grabbed by Tom Wilson and ragdolled down to the ice where he hits, I think the left side of his head, or maybe right side hits his head, whatever on the ice. Cause he has no helmet on. The helmet popped off during the whole uh, melee. So he gets slammed down to the ice. Now, this is Tom Wilson grabbing him, swinging him around, and throwing him down onto the ice. Now, this is very akin to Joe Pavelski's fall, if you remember from Game 7, which, of course, you do, um, where his head slammed down. It was very much like that. Just bang, right on the ice. Uh, Somehow, Artemi Panarin is not injured from this and is able to still kind of tussle with Tom a little bit. Tom picks him up and then pulls him straight back down again now luckily the second pull down was more of a uh, benevolent pull if you will and didn't uh, drive him straight into the ice uh, once again so that is kind of the situation Aaron did you want to fill in with a little bit more detail there
1: no I think you covered it
0: (laughs) okay so that's the situation Um, and so of course people see this And they go, oh, Tom Wilson, he's a horrible guy. We all hate him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Then they're saying that there was a... (laughs) The only thing that that Tom Wilson got out of this during the game was the two minutes for roughing and then an extra two minutes for something else, uh, for instigating, I don't know. Um, And then I think it was a 10-minute misconduct or something like that. But essentially, all it did was it gave the New York Rangers a two-minute power play uh, for taking one of the best players in the league who is not a fighter and throwing him down on the ice without a helmet on when you're a guy that is a face puncher and knows the problems that can occur when somebody doesn't have a helmet and their head hits the ice, you've fought enough guys that you know what head injuries are all about. Uh, And he took a guy that is not a fighter, one of the better players in the league and threw him down. Uh, So a lot of people had a big problem with this, of course. Um, and the, the NHL Department of Player Safety, headed by George Perros, gave him a $5,000 fine with no games suspended, no missed games. So to put this in perspective, I watched some other video and someone was saying that, you know, the NFL has a $5,000 fine for you wearing your socks too low so you compare that i understand there's money differences how much they get paid i get that but there's a five thousand dollar fine for wearing your socks too low and the nhl gives a five thousand dollar fine for nearly killing a guy
1: yeah I, well you could blame the nhlpa for that because that's the maximum fine allowed is five thousand dollars that's that's what they would have they would have or they would have uh what do you call it um find him for more, but that's the maximum allowed. I'm not agreeing with it, but that's why the $5,000, that's where the $5,000 comes from. It's the maximum allowed by the NHLPA, the Players Association.
0: But it shouldn't end there. It, that's the maximum allowed by the NHLPA? Fine. Department of Player Safety needed to, need not should have, needed to suspend him for at least a couple of games. Okay, This Absolutely. guy has this- had 20-game suspension before that got knocked down to 14. He's been four-game suspension here, another four-game suspension there. The guy's been suspended plenty of times. He's a repeat offender, and for him to do something like this, it wasn't even during the play. A headshot during the play, you could say it's missed time. The guy changed levels on me, whatever. You could try to explain that away. This is him after the play is done with his stick under a defenseless player hitting him in the back of the head. This isn't so much NHLPA. This is Department of Player Safety that needs to have – uh, a look at really. And the New York Rangers, their organization thought so as well. They agree with that sentiment and we'll get back to uh, department of player safety. If there's anything else you want to talk about the decision in just a second, but the New York Rangers Twitter, um, they made an official statement and this is kind of an unprecedented statement. No one has really questioned league officials like this before. So publicly uh, and they came under fire. So they had an official statement calling for George perros 's job. Um, essentially saying that he is, and these are the correct words, quote, unfit uh, to carry out his duties uh, for the Department of Player Safety. Uh, Again, kind of an an unprecedented move. Some people think that maybe they went, uh, they crossed a line there by doing that. I don't think that they did. I think that they're calling a spade a spade. Um, And, you know, for a guy like George Peros to see that happening, again, this is a guy who's a fighter and who knows and respects Head injuries. I mean, George Peros hit the ice real hard one time with his uh, and smacked his head. I do remember that. So for him to look at this and go, "Yeah, no big deal," five thousand dollar fine. I, that's that's a huge problem. And I think the New York Rangers were absolutely one hundred uh, percent correct in calling him
1: out. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, I think the Rangers, because they are the Rangers and probably one of the biggest fan bases outside of Toronto for an NHL team, I think they kind of had to make a statement like this to show kind of like their bravado in a way, but they also could get away with it because now if the league turns around and finds them, they're going to find them for way more than what they find Wilson, which is just going to backfire even more. (laughs) So now that suspension that, that or that should have been suspension. Um, There's even a video by uh, John Scott who said uh, that should have been a suspension. That was a terrible miss. Um, Nobody would have blinked an eye if there was a suspension to Tom Wilson for that play, nobody, everyone have been like, yeah, even Washington fans be like, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Like there's, there's no argument. It's kind of like, it's so, so nearsighted for, for them to do that because what, when were they playing next Paul? Yeah, no today. And um,
0: I'll tell you what, I tuned in for that game when I normally would not have. So this is one of those things that, and maybe it worked on me. I don't care. Um, I wanted to see the response. I, I really wanted to see the response of the New York Rangers. And I remember the coach had said, we we are happy with the way that we're going to respond. And that was yesterday. Um, and to be able to see them tonight, and we'll get into that in just a second here. Uh, but to be able to see that come to fruition tonight, um that's kind of one of these culture things that I think, you know, Bob Bogner would be maybe proud of is that we stood up for our teammates. And even though it's the next game, um uh, and even though it wasn't necessarily all fights with Tom Wilson, the New York Rangers were not going to put up with that and they're just going to let everybody on, almost everybody on the Washington Capitals know, you're not going to take liberties with our guys and just skate away with it. We we're going to have something to say about it. Um Let's go back to what you had said about Doug Wilson. Um, He made comments back in, I think, what was it, 2013? I can't remember now. Um, About uh, not being happy with Department of Player Safety coming to the defense of Rafi Torres. There was a a bad hit or something to the case that that Rafi had. And uh, Wilson basically called out Department of of Player Safety saying, we disagree with this. Um, and, And he got fined. And it was much more benevolent, much more benign, if you will, uh, than what the New York Rangers put out and he was fined a hundred thousand dollars for for saying that you know publicly so this was I mean this was a like a body slam compared to a slap uh the, the two Twitter messages between you know the, the Rangers and Doug Wilson there you go there's the yeah. article right there yeah <clears throat> I fine a hundred thousand for GM Doug Wilson's comments about this Raquel Torres this
1: during the uh, shanna Band days that yeah, yeah Jarrett still I remember that game that was yeah. I was at that game that was so bad such a bad hit. Um, yeah. Anyway. So anyway, he, uh, yeah,
0: Wilson basically gets fine. You expect that the Rangers are going to get absolutely obliterated, uh, for this, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of, cause nothing really has happened yet. I mean, a little bit has, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but uh, as far as coming from the league, we haven't seen any sort of discipline now. Uh, the owner of the New York Rangers, uh, James Dolan, came out and said that he was firing President John Davidson and GM Jeff Gordon. to which immediately people <laughs> were saying the Sharks should get Jeff Gorton. Um, every time I say that name, I think of racing, by the way. Uh, but no, I mean, I guess he was supposedly already unhappy with uh, the direction that the club was going anyway. But the timing, come on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh- there's something else going on so they could slide it under the radar. So yeah. We're such a high profile team as the Rangers. I mean, so
0: I, I kind of feel like this is almost the aftermath. Not that the NHL is going to get back at the Rangers for having said that. I feel like this is the aftermath uh, that the owner, you, you would think though that the owner would be on board with any sort of public message like that uh, that the, the New York brass would, would put out the, the owner would be on board before it goes out, but he <laughs> allows them to send this message and then immediately fires them. I'm sorry. That just seems a little too coincidental.
1: Well, um, it could have been maybe it was in the works that they were going to be gone. And this was a perfect opportunity. So they could say what they wanted to say, fire sure. them and then they can't get fined.
0: Sure. And you know what? I
1: like that explanation better. So we'll go with that. <laughs> but, um, it's just, well, wait, to me, yeah, let's, let's go back to the response here that the Rangers had, right? Yes. Uh, They had six first-period fights (laughs) in the game tonight. And they had six fights in the first five minutes of the game. You know what's scary? That set a record in the NHL. Do you know how bad games were in the 80s? There were line (laughs) brawls. They were never this bad. This is how bad this game was. And why? Because he was not suspended. And what happened after the first period? Do you know? What? Tom Wilson did not return because of an upper body injury. Yep. Are you kidding me? Washington <laughs> suspended him because the league wouldn't do it. They took him out of the game because they wanted to play the game. That the league should have stepped in and suspended this guy. Instead, the team had to do it. It's just—it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Wow. Okay. So you—you th- you think the the Capitals suspended that him
0: themselves? So then, why absolutely. dress him for this game?
1: What? Because they're like, ah, you know, it'll be a fight or two. No, this was this was a ridiculous. Uh, just they wouldn't, they weren't going to stop coming after him. They weren't the whole game. So they said, you know what? It's worth. He's upper body injury. We're going to pull him out. Let's play this game. Maybe we can get some points out of it, um, and at least save Wilson or somebody else from getting hurt because there's so many fights. Yeah. So they had to suspend him on their own. That's what Aaron thinks happened. I don't know.
0: I think he was just tired of fighting and then pull him out. Will he be back next game? Tom Wilson? Yeah. Is it against the Rangers? I don't know. If it's against the Rangers? No. Okay. There you go. You heard it here, folks. Um, Oh, wait a minute. We got something else. Capitals, Rangers. up Six. Yeah. Six fights. Wilson exits with an injury. I I don't know. I don't think he was injured. I think they just uh, wanted him out of there. I think I'm with Aaron with that one. I don't know if they're suspending him, but I think they just wanted him out of that game. So there you go. Um, yeah. So there's a line brawl. Like we said, three fights right off the hop puck dropped one second in three fights. Smith jumps uh, Wilson. As soon as just Wilson jumps on the ice, it's just Smith goes right after him. Beeline. Boom. Gets into a fight there. Hell of zone against a superior fighter. Um, there were two more fights. Uh, there's like you said, 72 minutes uh, worth of penalties. I think the game ended with 127 penalty minutes, something like that. It was just absolutely ridiculous. The amount of penalty minutes in this game, just nuts. Um, so yeah, uh, there, there you go. And I know you've got here. Any PR is good PR. Um, I don't know. What do you, do you you believe that? Do you think that this is just good for the league seeing, uh, the amount of, uh, retribution that was in this game? Obviously,
1: you know, I tune in. So other people I'm sure did. Do you think this was good for the league? There you go. Did you tune into a game that you would not have tuned into beforehand because you knew something was going to happen? Any PR is good PR for the league. Not saying it was good PR circumstances but it gets the nhl into talking points on talk radio it gets it onto people's radar it gets people to go "Ooh, i gotta tune into this rangers game and it's a mind you it's a rangers game rangers versus capitals so rangers being one of the original six is gonna have a lot more following than if it was a arizona and nashville game nobody's gonna tune into that because it was a Rangers game? Absolutely. People would be like, oh, my grandpappy was a Rangers fan, so I'm a Rangers fan. So they're going to want to tune into it. So, yeah, absolutely. I think this PR was great. It was Maybe that's why the league did it. That, that's a huge tinfoil hat of uh, reason of why they didn't suspend Wilson. But, you know, people are talking about it. We're talking about it on a shark show. Get on with it yes get on with it
0: yes, yes. Get, get on, with, on it. with it and in the spirit of getting on with it we're gonna do a roll call uh so <laughs> go ahead and let us know where you're watching this from and then of course uh we asked the question earlier or we saw the question earlier in the chat here uh who are you rooting for in the playoffs so aaron uh i'm gonna have you go first on this one because i think i know your answer and i'm pretty sure it's the same as
1: mine so go ahead um um I actually answered this on Twitter or on Reddit. Oh. It was on Reddit. Sorry, I was on Reddit today. Um, I'm going to be rooting for the Carolina Hurricanes this offseason. Oh, really? Um, mainly because I think they're an exciting team. They're one of the top teams. And to me, going back to an earlier thing that we kind of glossed over here, is the league is a copycat league, uh, meaning that whatever team wins the cup, every team looks at that team and goes, ooh, we need to do what they did because we're going to win a cup. Carolina plays an exciting game. They have young players. They use a lot of speed. Um, they score a decent amount of goals. They're one of the top five in goals scored. They have good defense. They're just a very good overall team. And I think uh, they are kind of a almost sleeper pick. I mean, they're kind of, I I I can't even say they're a sleeper at this point. But I think um, I'm kind of rooting for Carolina because they're exciting and fun to watch. How about you? I, I'm guessing I know what you're going to
0: Okay. Well, I, I want you to guess for who I'm going to say.
1: I'm going to say Toronto. Yes, absolutely.
0: Toronto. 100%, 100% Toronto. It has nothing to do with their legacy of losing. It has nothing to do with <laughs> anybody other than Joe Thornton. I want Joe Thornton's name on that cup. The guy deserves it uh, 100%. So um, I, I need to. I need to root for, for Toronto, whether it's good for you know, the, the ego or, or whatever the case is. And again, it's great for the record books that they haven't won in such a long time and everything else. We get to point and laugh. Wonderful. Um, Joe Thornton needs to have his name on that cup. And if it's with Toronto, fine. I would be very conflicted if it was with, you know, the LA Kings or, or Vegas Golden Knights. I'd be very conflicted. But Joe Thornton's name needs to be on that cup. So I'm rooting for him. I hope they go all the way.
1: Because um, again, Jumbo deserves it. So there you go. See, uh, like- let's see. We've like got grass. a few... I'm sorry, I like Matt's comment here, which is already up there. It says, whoever plays the least because the first round exit streak needs to stay alive. I am with you. I think that streak of not making it to the cup finals since their last cup win in 1960, who cares, um, needs to stay alive and just get extended another 50 years. Because that makes me feel better as a Sharks fan that the Sharks at least have not gone that long without a cup. Matt, you're dead to me. Uh,
0: Garth there was saying Florida Panthers. My goodness. Okay. Hey, Florida's uh,
1: Florida's good, man. They yeah. are also another top team in the East.
0: Well, how bad were they for the longest time, right? I mean, again, this is a thing that teams go through. And but, I kind of want to reiterate that for, for Sharks fans and our fans as well. Um, you know, teams got to be bad sometimes before they can be good. So, you might have to see a couple of these seasons. Now, Doug Wilson's trying to do it where we're not absolutely horrible, Um and by all accounts, this team is still decent. They're not like so, so bad. I mean, if you take a look at the record, it's closer to 500 than than it is to like 25%. Okay. So like, we're not like terrible, terrible. We're just bad. Okay. Florida, so though,
1: Florida made it to the finals in the late nineties. Remember the Scott yeah. Mellenby and John Van Dan Beesbrook here. Mellenby killed a rat with his hockey stick in the locker room because the locker room was that bad that it had rats. And then he gets a hat trick with that stick that night. And so everyone yeah. started throwing rats on the yep. ice. whenever there yep. was a goal. Um, you guys should look that up for all you young people out there who had never seen those games because it was ridiculous. That was before the rule of not being able to throw stuff on the ice. Um, other than hats for hat tricks. Same with uh, Detroit throwing octopus on the ice. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure Detroit doesn't been in the playoffs for a, a long time now. So right. there might be a lot of young fans who are going, what are you talking about? Why would they throw an octopus on the ice? <laughs> Well, back in the day, and here's where you need a more you know, uh, logo over me, is uh, they used to only take eight wins to win a Stanley Cup because there weren't that many teams. So uh, Detroit won a number of cups when it was just eight, and so they threw octopus on the ice to signify eight wins. That's why they threw it on there.
0: See, uh, I thought it was because someone killed an octopus with their stick and then scored a hat trick. (laughs) No, No, but
1: do you remember uh, when the Sharks played played Detroit um, in the late – late two thousands, and somebody somebody smuggled a shark into the arena with an octopus sewed into its mouth and threw it on the ice. That's another thing you guys should should Google and look up. That was yeah, that was insane. The guy there's a whole story about it too, where he he had garbage bags and it was tied to his leg and his pants and walked in and snuck it in through security and everything because that's not easy to get a shark <laughs> in the <laughs> arena <laughs> and throw it on the ice. And that thing must have smelled bad, man. You probably needed a couple of showers after that for days to get that smell out of them. (laughs)
0: Okay. Well, you know what? We're, uh, we're done talking about the whole Tom Wilson thing. We're done talking about uh, the sharks for almost the remainder of the season. Aaron, we've got three games left uh, until this (laughs) This season's done, uh, mercifully coming to an end, my goodness. So on Friday, 7.30 against Arizona, Saturday, 7.30 against Arizona. Now, I know we've been doing the whole two games, mini-series, do a show, but since it's only three games left, that last show against Vegas, we're going to lump in uh, as our our last show here. So it'll be uh, Friday, 7.30, Saturday, 7.30, and then a Wednesday, 6 o'clock against the Vegas Golden Knights, and after that game, we will be uh, available to you guys for the show. So um, that'll be what, probably 8.45, 9 o'clock or so because
1: of the, the time that this game here will end. Yeah, there you quick, go. Uh, Jason. Quick question for the group here. How many of you are going to be going to that game, that Vegas game, that, that season ender or any of these games, the next three games? Because there's only so many people out in the tank. Just curious yeah. if any of our fans are going to be going.
0: Go ahead. Okay, uh, Anthony Sanchez saying 0-3 the last three games. Uh, Aaron hopes so. Absolutely. Uh, three he L in a row so. from Lundy. Lundy agrees with you. He says, yeah, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, at least our tank season is a short one. Grateful for that. You know what, Matt? You're, you're back alive for me, buddy. That is some good perspective right there. Uh, if you're going to be bad, you may as well be bad for a short season. Uh, no, I know you said it too, Aaron. Relax. Said I said it all it year. Yeah. I know. I know. But I want to give him some props too. You can't just take all the glory for yourself. You got to give some to the comments section, Aaron. That's why you you died last episode. Okay? So, <laughs> all right. Can the Sharks spoil first place in the division for Vegas? I don't think so, Kellen. I think Vegas has got us 0-7 right now. There's no reason to believe we're going to go 1-7. So, there you go. Okay, guys, I think we're done. We've wrapped this show up. We got one more show for the end of the hockey season here again, Wednesday. uh, So next week, Wednesday, about eight 45, nine o'clock, go ahead and, uh, and show up for that. If you are not subscribed to the show, please feel free to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. So you guys know when we do go live, we don't hit you with a bunch of garbage and a bunch of junk. If we did, we would go on the Arizona and then on VGK as well. There's no need. We can do it all in one show. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to save your, uh, your inbox, the extra messages. So again, hit us with that subscribe and uh, you'll know when we're going live for you. And then of course, share us, retweet us, get your friends in the comment section over there so that we can have this nice, fun conversation. It's always more fun when the chat's flowing and it gets Aaron's eyes spinning, which is always fun to look at as well. So with that, Aaron, anything else you want to add here? Nope. Let's rip the bandaid off. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Kellen, one last thing here it says, do
1: you guys do a draft show? Aaron, do you think we're going to do a draft show? We talked about, um, possibly doing a show at maybe before and after the Seattle draft. And then maybe after the, um, maybe not before, but maybe after the entry level draft. Okay. Talk, unless there's some trades or something that big happens before any of that. Let's just assume we'll do a before and after Seattle Kraken draft. And then an after, um, entry level draft and by then maybe we will have our studio set up in super mm. producer Jason's uh, garage again so we'll see I do have my second
0: shot so by the time we're ready to go um, for, for that I, we should be able to be in studio uh, side by side together forever with that we're going to go ahead and say goodbye thanks so much guys for your comments for anybody who hit us with a Venmo or a super chat I didn't have in super chat today but that's okay uh, we still love you so, um, again, we appreciate you guys and all the comments keeping us going. Okay, for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys next week. Next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at the TheFinFactor and on Instagram at FinFactor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube.
1: Visit our website at thefinfactor.com, where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. you also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.